0: to unmask, expose yourself forever. you hysterical, I gladly
1: Um, now, i got to be honest, before this match began, I'm not entirely certain I knew how a scramble match worked. Uh, no? And I don't know if I've missed a load of scramble matches or this is not a very regular occurrence, but genuinely I was like, what the fuck is a scramble match?
2: I thought it was a scrambled egg match. How would that work? Scrambled egg on a pole. <laughs> yeah, but it's pre-cooked scrambled egg, so it's just runny egg, and the winner gets to cook it and then pour it on the other person's face.
1: Scrambled egg on Judy Bagwell on a pole
2: match. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude, dude, Judy Bagwell
3: scrambling eggs on a pole <laughs> match. That, that that makes much more sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, I it was really funny actually, really funny. this people came along at the time they did because I just this week I've been doing a bit of a deep dive. Don't like to plug other podcasts on this, but did it. I'm doing a little bit of a. Every now and again I go through a bit of a phase of listening to episodes of the Pritchard, the Bruce Pritchard's podcast. Something to wrestle, and um, they were talking about another pay per view that I can't remember which one it was. I mean, Judgment Day 2000 and 2008, I think. Uh, they have three scramble matches on it. Fucking hell! So, listening to that gave me a little bit of con a little bit of context behind what a scramble match was. So, I realized that it's kind of like an elimination chamber match with no chamber and people can't get eliminated. If that makes sense. Yeah. So it's nothing um, like an Elimination Chamber <laughs> match, basically. It's got it's got some asset or it's like a war games match, but you can't whatever. It's like a shit version <laughs> of a war games match. I
1: tell it? you because what I would have said, it's like a hardcore battle royal that they had at WrestleMania sixteen where the title can change hands as many times as possible. The only difference is is that those title changes aren't official. Only yeah. the last one is. We'll get
3: into this a bit in a bit, but it's such a fucking convoluted, stupid match because so just for the listeners, it starts off with two people, and every five minutes, an in inverted commas, another person comes down. The, the, the title can change hands during the match, but it doesn't get recognised until the last person is in the ring. So all five competitors are in, are in the ring. And then it's almost like a sudden death sort of thing. But for some bizarre, inexplicable reason, there's a five-minute ti- five time limit at the end of the match, which makes yeah. no
1: sense to me. Either. Well, it's not sudden death, that's the point. It's whoever is the champion at the end of the time Oh, it's at the end of the top? See, this is the thing. They don't fucking explain it, the cuts. don't, because it's Josh
3: Matthews and Matt Stroika and commentary, which is the grossest commentary team you could ever
1: have. <laughs> so, yeah, I was going to say a few things there. First of all, you suggested that you were going to explain the match for the listeners. On that point, you, first of all, didn't explain it properly. And then, secondly, I'm pretty sure the listeners knew anyway better than us because we were a fucking bunch of idiots. We have no idea when it comes to this stuff. Yes indeed, this is the Random Wrestling Review, a podcast that reviews wrestling shows at random each and every week with just a hint of absurdity thrown in for good measure. Today we will be looking back at 2009's The Bash from WWE and as usual I am joined by my two co-hosts for this deep dive into the show. First of all, we have a man of absolutes. Things are either totally awful or completely tremendous as far as he is concerned. There are no shades of grey with him other than the hairs that are no longer on his head. It's old man, <laughs> Sam <laughs>
2: Kerry. You know what? I knew where that was going as soon as you said there's no shades of grey, apart from my favourite book, Fifty Shades of Grey. To live up to my reputation, it's a beautiful day to be a bold man, just like every day, but it might turn bad. It's not going to turn bad, though.
1: Come on, England! Oh, old man having an existential crisis like yeah. it does every seven days, <laughs> like clockwork. <laughs> Uh, and we also have Tom Smith, who, though without any similar hair loss issues, does have problems with his memory. Given that he usually forgets that it's his turn to do the game, so much so that he panics even on weeks that are not his turn. So, Tom, have we remembered this week?
3: We have, and it's a doozy this week. Just strap yourselves in, Gaffer, take your bollocks to the table, and let's go. <laughs> Can
1: we can we just explore this? (laughs) Gaffer, tape your bollocks to the table. I don't know. I don't know. A
3: wonderful phrase. But it feels (laughs) like it's 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 a good expression, and I'm going to keep using it now. Wrestling is littered with bashes, aren't there? It's great American bash. There's a bash at the beach. Some might even say there's the old bashing of the bishop. But today (laughs) we're just doing just the bash, which I'm quite looking forward to.
1: Yeah, but it's a shit name, isn't it? The Bash. I mean, I don't know what they got rid of because they did have Great American Bash and this just replaced it in the schedule. Any idea why they thought that would be a good idea?
3: Well, I reckon that it might have had, maybe they were going to call it bashing the bishop and they were going to do something involving like Deacon Batista or Reverend Devon and then they were going to introduce a bishop character, maybe like JBL, like John Bishop Layfield and it was going to be some kind of pay-per-view around him and they decided to not go with the ankle, and they were like, well, I'll bash in it.
2: <laughs> What's so odd is I think they have a great American bash either year side of this. Mm, that and would be very strange.
1: We're talking about a company that
3: spelt Judgment Day wrong on their pay per view as well. Yes. So, you know,
2: <laughs> come on. I'll tell you what, Tinky. We never ask how you are. So, how are you, Tinky?
1: I'm good, thank you. Very anyway, well.
2: Anyway, up, mate. We don't care. <laughs> i remembered why now (laughs) always going on about your plebeian self
1: sorry about that so i just move on and say of course we are a podcast that is completely free and without advertisements all we ask in return for making this is that if you have done so already if you haven't done so already i should say please give us a review and or a rating on your podcasting app of choice we just we just like nice things being said about us basically And yeah, as as Tom said, we are covering The Bash 2009. It's, as I said, a strange name, The Bash. Not really sure why they chose to get rid of The Bash Atler or The Great American, but they have. And we are now just The Bash. So what were our expectations going into the show? Um, Old Man, let's start with you.
2: As we've mentioned it already, the names immediately got me a bit like, oh, really? It just sounds crap. It just sounds crap. But then I saw it's got Big Jeff Hardy on the poster. And I thought, you know what, 2009, Jeff Hardy, I'll have a bit of that. Obviously, we've been to WrestleMania this year, WrestleMania 25, the 25th anniversary of WrestleMania. <laughs> and uh, this is our 25th week anniversary, I think they call it. It is. And, uh, yeah. And, um, yeah, I was uh, excited as pushing it, but I wasn't dreading it. And that's pretty much any period after about 2002, that's pretty much where am I so I'm happy with that
1: (laughs) I think the uh you mentioned the poster there I think this is one of the more striking posters Mm. that WWE have put for their uh pay-per-views I like the poster to this one yeah uh my expectations so um I I really didn't
3: have any to be perfectly honest until I until I watched the opening video and I saw what some of the matches are and some of the participants within said matches I thought hello this could be pretty tidy, actually. So I went into it with well, I went into finding it on the network with very low expectations. As soon as I watched the video, I thought, "Hello, this would be all right." Quite, quite up for this. let will see where those expectations met.
1: So yeah, I've got similar expectations, I think, to Tom. Uh, no real clue of what was to come. Strangely, as you said, old man, we did go to WrestleMania 25. That was the WrestleMania for this year. So I should have had some indication of of at least who was going to be on it, but I didn't even have that. And especially as we also went to the WrestleMania after this as well. So we we went to both the WrestleManias surrounding the show. I mean, I know they were surrounded a good month, a good few months before and uh, uh, nearly a year afterwards. But still, you know, I, I feel like, you know, I should have had some indication of who was on it, but I had really had no thoughts or no kind of idea of who was going to be on it or what this was going to be like or how good the product was or anything at the time.
2: No, I realized me and uh, myself and Tom were living together around this time. And it was not long until the three of us lived together. Mm -hmm. And uh, Tom and I didn't have access to any TV or anything. So Mm -hmm. I realized that's probably why I didn't really watch anything. I did find it quite astonishing that I would have thought that after the WrestleMania that we went to, I would have actively sought to watch certain things afterwards. Evidently not.
1: No, and given that we've got access to the WWE Network now, it's amazing that I haven't even gone back to watch the Raw from the night after WrestleMania, which I didn't see at the time on television because we were there.
3: I have gone back and watched that because you can really clearly see us in it at the end. And there's a bit with CM Punk, and I'm putting a great face right in the camera (laughs) as he comes out. And he points right at me, and I'm pointing back at myself, doing the face.
1: So, for those people eager to see Old Man, (laughs) there is, in fact, a way to find out what he looks like. Although he will have hair, unfortunately, I'm afraid. Um, Barely. The the rule
2: after... (laughs) <laughs> rule after WrestleMania
1: 25, uh, we can be seen on the back row, but by the stage, so you should be able to see us at some point. Um, and we all, are all there, our smiling faces, all happy that Batista returned and saved that night's episode of the uh, of the weekly program.
3: There's also you can see us at WrestleMania 26 as well during the yeah. introduction of the Edge and Christian match, where you see old man putting his hand up, thinking he's got his camera out, and then I, I barge old man out of the way and started doing the old Eddie Graham double wave at the camera. Ah,
2: what fucking studs, eh? (laughs) Absolute studs. So the show itself, WWE The Bash oh,
1: 2019. Yes, talk about it. Yeah, we do. We've probably got a good hour and a half at least of stuff to <laughs> right, talk right. about. So uh, <laughs> settle in, settle yourselves in. We start with the commentators, Michael Cole and Jerry Lawler, introducing us to the event. And I then had on my piece of paper that I take on my notes, a load of scribblings about this because then I was like, who are the other commentators? What's the first match? What's going on? So the first match is an ECW title scramble match, which features Christian, Jack Swagger, Finlay, Mark Henry, and Tommy Dreamer. I said earlier on, Michael Cole and Jerry Lawler introduce us, but they are of course the Raw commentators. We then are switched to the ECW commentators who at the time were Josh Matthews and Matt Stryker and Repug is the word. Let's be right. honest.
2: So what's weird about it as well? So it, go back to the start of the show. Cole and Lawler, I'm like, it's a two-man booth. It's a two-man booth. I'm in for this. And then they cut to these cretins. But, Older Joshy boy and Matty, they're like shoved in a corner, like a <laughs> yeah. like a like a dirty wet pair of socks that you well, throw off after a walk. Well, they're in the ECW cupboard, aren't they? <laughs> of course, up with their tradition,
1: obviously. <laughs> so um, Matt Stryker, of course, is uh, currently Impact Wrestling's lead commentator. Josh Matthews also works for Impact Wrestling and is, I believe, like vice president or some s- something quite like senior now within their structure and uh, i know that both are considered very very poor match strike has got slightly better uh, reputation i think mainly because he did some japan stuff a while back but they're both shit
3: i've kind of said this a few times but match striker used to do commentary on lucha underground and he did a commentary with vampiro he was actually quite good on that but i think it i think it's mainly due to, due to the fact that like him and vampiro evidently really got on really well and um, I had quite a laugh doing it. Josh Matthews, like, is that the dictionary definition of failing upwards, going from <laughs> a com- yeah. commentator in WWE to vice president in TNA? Fuck me. Have <laughs> oh, a word with yourself,
1: mate. I don't, I mean, vice president might be wrong, but he's definitely quite senior now in terms of their, their internal structure. To be honest, this whole thing, I'm going to go first in terms of my thoughts on the match. Yeah, because. Do it. Because why not? We're we're fucking around with convention a little bit here. Everything in this match from the commentary team on downwards I found to just be very shit. Like, really unimpressive. And it's not like it starts straight away. They have the graphic for the title belt, okay? Obviously I do that for all the championships. On the graphic for the ECW title the corners of the title belt have been cut off and it just looks really (laughs) amateurish and shit. The title belt itself... Oh. It's disgusting. It's like the worst design title belt in the issue of the world. The original ECW, well, not the original, but the original WWE ECW title is actually quite nice. It's the one that Bobby Lashley and Vince McMahon were fighting over a couple of weeks back when we watched the uh, 2007 whatever that was. I can't remember what the name of the show was. But this is just fucking disgusting. It's like really, really bland and shit. And you're like, who wants to win that fucking thing? It's terrible. <laughs>
3: I also talk about disgusting. <laughs> we need to take a moment to chat about Tommy Dreamer's trousers. Oh <laughs> my god! It's like he's wearing a pair of Rey Mysterio's trousers <laughs> because they're really baggy, weird leopard um, zebra print trousers, which is very, very striking attire for to- for someone of Tommy
2: Dreamer's ilk to wear. <laughs> So my note on him when he comes out, Tommy Dreamer in some horrific, horrific trousers, moving like he shit himself, (laughs) because I realise he walks like a lady trying to show off her derriere. (laughs) I'm guessing it's probably caused by some crippling back pain, but I don't know this.
1: actually those trousers they appear again later on with a couple of other people we'll talk about that as well when we get there (laughs) the the match itself so we 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 do begin with christian and jack swagger and i felt like their stuff was really labored just it just was really labored i don't know what was going on it was like you if you didn't know pro wrestling is predetermined by the way and if you didn't know watch this you'll know instantly because it just looks so like Mm. awful it's really poor jack
2: swagger is fucking awful I reali I we had a match the other I can't remember what show it was, and I was like, oh a bit rough. And watching this, he's in there with Christian. Like Christian who is wearing one of the worst tracksuits I've ever seen when he comes out to the ring. <laughs> it's just like like you said, it just all feeds into it, but Swagger's terrible. He's so bad. Christian could have got a decent couple of minutes out of me.
3: Yes, you're right. Jack Swagger is shit, but I'll tell you what's not shit about him, it's music. Rage Against yeah. the Machine entrance music, which isn't Rage Against the Machine, but it's pretty awesome.
2: Yeah. Do you know what the band's called? It's Age Against the Machine, and it's a Rage Against the Machine tribute act doing a Rage Against the Machine song. Rage Against the Machine allowed WWE to use a version done by a cover band. It's <laughs> just amazing. incredible. I, I, That was all I could find out. I wanted to go deeper into it. It wasn't but, just
1: incredible, mate. It? it was
2: Jack Swagger. Oh yeah, sorry. That, to be no. fair, you look alike.
1: Yeah. Oh, you imagine that? Imagine that though. we like, i oh, gonna. What, what
3: song do you want to come down to? I want to come down to Yesterday by the Bootleg Beatles. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Amazing. The Bootleg Beatles. They're only the band the Beatles could have been. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the the other thing about Jack Swagger that is not very impressive is his little flipping dance thing that he does as he comes down to the ring. He like beats his chest. Yeah, and he looks like a little kid. He's like fucking hell, mate. He just looked ridiculous doing that. Like one of his legs goes up in the air and he kind of hops on the other one, beats his chest. I'm like, bloody hell! Like no wonder you failed.
3: He looks, he looks like a toddler trying to do an impression of the Ultimate Warrior. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, as you can tell, we are ripping the shit out of this this match because it just really, it, actually, when you get into it and Finley comes in at number three, Tommy Dreamer's number four, and then, of course, Western Super Mayor's Finest enters the yes. match.
0: Oh, yes.
1: Um, it's not terrible, but the, the opening, like, five minutes, with everything in it, like, you know, Jack Swagger's entrance, the really poor action between Christine and Jack Swagger, the commentary team, the title belt graphic, the title belt itself, and the fact that I didn't know what a scramble match was or how it worked, was just like, this is, I, there's not, it's so unimpressive, this bit of the show. The next person to come out is Finlay. Which, yeah.
3: again, I was a little bit like, all right, it's an interesting choice. But he gets a pretty big reaction. Yeah. Like, surprisingly so. Dave Finley coming down to the rug at the age of 94. <laughs> like, it was very, very impressive. Like, Finley was weird. Like, wouldn't it? Think back, back on it hour, And I can remember at the time finding it odd that this, this old guy who used to work in WCW for a bit all of a sudden came into the promotion and was presented as this hard man who then had a unicorn and was a baby face and then just surreptitious who happened to be Vincent man's son who then just both
1: surreptitiously <laughs> A unicorn. Fucked. Yeah. Unicorn did I say that? I mean, <laughs> 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 To be honest, I completely missed that too. Thank yeah. God you were paying <laughs> <a high laughs> attention.
3: Yeah. So um yeah and then just all of a sudden just <laughs> fucked off in the same cloud of smoke that he arrived in. It's really weird. Like I know like Fitfinney's quite a respected guy and he's been like an agent and for a long time. And is evidently like a, a valiant boy. But they've got quite a big roster at the moment. So it seems, it strikes me a bit like, listen mate, we need someone to go out there and help some of these guys cut their teeth or whatever. But it's just weird, it's so odd. Like, I don't know, I just find it really, really bizarre, Dave, Finley, Dave Finley's run.
2: He was a weird one. I always enjoyed him. But I also thought, so you've got Christian in there, trying to add a bit of class, wearing a terrible tracksuit. Swagger, Tinky's favourite. And then there's Finlay. And then you know who's coming down afterwards. And it really, like, you know me. I love Mark Emery. I couldn't get any excitement for even when Mark Emery come down. I put that down to Tommy Dreamer and Luke Swagger. Luke Swagger. Luke Swagger. <laughs> Ah, uh, Luke Swagger hands. Uh
3: we've we've got uh, we've got a, a mate called Luke who looks a little bit like Jack Swagger. That's
2: what
1: uh, Mate, when 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 he's got this, When when is Jack Swagger at this age? And when he had the hair that he had at the same time, yeah. he didn't look yeah. a little bit like him. He's just fucking spit. It was just yeah. like,
2: ah, uh, it's really bad. And Tony Atlas, Tony Atlas is there. <laughs> looks like he cannot walk. He looks like he's done the same thing in his pants that Tommy Dreamer has because he's just moving like a doddery old man can you remember when we went i think it was when we were wrestling 25 i think mark henry may have been in the money in
3: the bank match yeah some guy behind us with a sign and it was a picture of Tony atlas he wore uh he wears like a shirt and tie and a jacket with no sleeves like a sleeveless cut off which is odd and then it said tony atlas Smart casual. <laughs>
2: yes. yes. <laughs> uh, Tremendous.
1: Uh, Lovely stuff. Um, so the first pinfall of this match happens when Finlay gets poked in the eye by Jack Swagger. <laughs> Jack Swagger <binging>. him. <laughs>
2: just
1: just adding to the, the lack yeah. of impressiveness around this match.
2: Wow. Well, and so the commentators, commentators are on fine form. We already know they're great. They're talking about Finlay's got a problem with his right eye very insistent his right eye he always had a point swagger to his credit gets the gets the eye right gives him a good old poke lovely old job finley's then selling it outside and the medics are looking at him but they're looking at his left eye <laughs> and i was just like oh for fuck and again it's just rolling and rolling and i'm just like no why are they
1: doing this to me well, that's what leads on then to Tommy Dreamer's entrance. So, yeah, then you saw his, then you saw his trousers, so you were more and more impressed. And yeah. finally, we, we get some kind of botch in the corner involving Swagger, Dreamer and Christian. I don't know what they were trying to do, and I don't yeah. know whose fault it was as a consequence. Um, we then get Fan, Fanley Finley <laughs> pinning Jack Swagger after a Celtic cross. So at that point, he was now the champion, but unofficially until the end of the match. Go on, Finley. Entrant five comes in, who is Mark Henry.
3: There's one bit. There's one bit that was quite good, and I, I, we were giving that commentary team a fucking hammer in it, and deservedly so. But there's one bit that was quite good. It's so after um Swagger pins Finley Quay for the um <laughs> <laughs> for the title. The commentary team say this is now going to change Swagger's um, intentions in the match because now all he needs to do is basically break up pins and stop people, like, not try not to get pinned, which I guess is easier said than done. And the disrupt other oh, pinfalls, don't do it, though. <laughs> <laughs> he breaks up hardly any pinfalls as he's as he's champion.
1: And I believe at one point he actually tries to pin Tommy Dreamer as well, even <laughs> yes, though he's, he he's currently the champion. So clearly, Jack Swagger himself had no clue of the rules of this match. <laughs> uh, and there's, 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 there's all these bits there,
3: so, and it's about now when they start breaking up pinfalls. Other people yeah. start working at pinfalls, which makes no sense.
1: Well, e- I... even after all, that stuff, that's a
2: oh,
1: callback to Finley Quest. That's
2: outstanding.
1: <laughs> <laughs> then Mark Henry, it's, it's Mark Henry who's next out, uh, and he joins the fray. Uh, Finley then performs a suicide dive on Swagger, which is something to behold, I'll tell you now. <laughs> uh, and that's followed by a somersault sent on by Tommy Dreamer. We really are hitting the big
2: stuff. <laughs> I'm sorry. Somersault on is the <laughs> kindest turn of phrase I think I've ever heard. Tommy Dreamer falls on someone wearing awful trousers. is a better way of putting it. It's, it's got all the
3: elegance of me falling down the stairs. <laughs> about seven pints.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh. Oh. Well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, well maybe you can you can give a name <laughs> to the christ <laughs> <laughs> oh that's it now
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> compose myself got to p- compose myself so yeah you're, you're right you're right it was a kind thing wow. to say about tommy jimmy's <laughs> Uh uh but so therefore maybe you can help me name the move that Christian does where he jumps up to the second rope and then jumps out of the ring because I always found it to be a relatively unimpressive spot itself. <laughs> and he does that. And I don't know what to call it.
3: It's a, a springboard twat. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Um, so then Christian does the springboard twat out of the ring. <laughs> um, uh, then Henry um, takes the weakest steel steps bump I've ever seen. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know where mankind goes knees first into the... <laughs> Mark Henry does effectively the same thing, except, yeah. well, I mean, you have to see it to believe it. It really is. It's, it's,
3: a, it's a wonderful bit of work. <laughs> it
1: is. Um, and then Dreamer, in all the mess, and I to be honest, I probably miss a few pinfalls here, uh, Dreamer pins Christian after a DDT to then hold on to the title. There's about Three and a half minutes left, I think, of the match after that point. Um, There's a scramble around at the end where they're all trying to pin each other. But uh, Tommy Dreamer is declared the winner after the time limit expires.
2: So we get uh, someone, I don't know who it is, someone wins the title before Dreamer does. Jack Swagger with a Vader bomb. Yeah, that's right. So Josh Matthews, bear in mind, Mark Henry's been with the company, I think, 13 years at this point, possibly something like that would be yeah yeah, yeah Josh Matthews goes I can't believe anyone pinned Mark Henry pinned Mark Henry I was like <laughs> bro, what the guy's been buried like pretty much since he got in there he's won a couple of titles at this point I think but Jesus Josh
1: Josh Matthews not Jesus Josh that's not his name
2: Ah, oh, to be fair I'd have liked him better
3: if it was well oh, what if he had like a vicar gimmick
1: yeah, well, it would have played
3: into Bash the Bishop, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would have done, yeah. Like, why are you dressed up like a vicar? Well, it is
2: Bash the Bishop. We've got rid of that ages ago, Josh. Fuck off. Do some shit. <laughs> Go off and be vice president of TNA or whatever it's called now. You twat.
1: No, that, that's Christian's move. God, getting, you're getting all these names wrong today. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, yeah, I'm so confused. I've peaked too soon. One last note on the commentary team here, because... Oh, lovely. Their job's done for the night. They are finished. There's no other ECW matches on the show. They have to sit there for the rest of the evening. <laughs> <just Saturday. laughs> there are a number of times I looked over them during the rest of the show. And honestly, Matt Striker looks bored to his fucking oh, he's Just so bored. He just looks so deftly bored. Jim Ross, professional that he is, even when he's not working, is looking at the monitor as if he's concentrating on the action Match could just stare it off into space like he'd rather be anywhere but the bash 2009.
3: I, I, I see if I was him, I'd have probably snuck a couple of beers under the table,
0: mm.
3: kick back, have a lovely time, and then flash the camera when it when it was.
1: <laughs> Better still, he could have brought with him some HP sauce and just had the occasional
3: occasional oh, swig.
2: He can't, mate. Michael Cole's bought out all of the shops around. <laughs> I've got one more piece of shit to add. So. I've had a decent time watching this. I've had a wonderful time talking about it. Decent time watching it. And then at the end, i got to be honest, I'm glad that's done. Tommy Dreamer, he's happy. He is made up. He, to be fair, he's selling his little heart out to make out, Like, celebrating with the crowd, holding that big, ugly title belt up. Proud to show it off he is. If only he wasn't holding it upside down. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, he's holding it upside down. And I was like, ah. Oh. Lovely. And by then I filled my pants and I was done. I did have to I did think to myself a little bit at the moment.
3: During all the absolute dirt that is this match, I was thinking to myself, like, I wonder what Tommy Drew really thinks. It's either one of two things. He's either there being like, fuck me. This is what this is what it is now. This is what yeah. this is what the ECW brand is that I love so much and it's become this, this laughing stock. Or is he just like, God, thank God I'm really rubbish and I got a job. <laughs>
1: I think he is probably, yeah, uh, erring on the side of, you know, even if he doesn't think he's rubbish, he's probably thinking, back in 2001 when ECW ended, did I think I'd still be employed full-time as a wrestler? Probably not.
2: Oh, eight years later.
1: Yeah, exactly. So In I those think-
2: trousers. Yeah. <laughs>
1: So I think he was probably pretty happy about the fact that he was there and ECW champion, which was not something that he did very often in the main... When ECW existed, I think he only had it once, I think, for maybe even less than a day as well. I think it was a transitional title.
3: Yeah. I also think as well that... I will come into this a little bit later, but I was reasonably happy with the crowd during this match as well, who seemed to be into it. I wonder if they were into it because they were like, oh my God, this is really shit and amazing and hilarious, or... If they're actually genuinely quite into it, because they're into it much more than the match and all the context around it deserved
2: to be. Mm. I thought they did themselves a credit because I was of the same thought as you, Tommy. They start so as Tinky alluded to, the start with Christian and Swagger is horrendous. And they get little dueling chants going. And I think that they were just like, this is going to be fucking awful. And there was probably three lads like us who'd had a few beers and they were like, let's go, Christian. Let's go, Swagger. And they got the old crowd going. Shirts off, I imagine. Three rows from the back. Lovely old job.
1: There's there's nothing old man likes than a few beers and his shirt coming off. That's, that's pretty. You just give them those two things, he's happy. Yeah.
2: Well, and I would like to be three rows from the back as well.
1: And three rows from the back. That's fine. Yeah. That's fine. We can arrange that. Cool. Lovely old job. Next up backstage, we see Edge burst into Teddy Long's office. Edge reminds us that t- Teddy Long is on probation. Of course, I say remind. We didn't know that. But on television, that was the ongoing storyline. He suggests that Teddy Long makes the world heavyweight title between Jeff, uh, t- whatever title match, sorry. Between Jeff Hardy and CM Punk, a triple threat. Long says no, and says he shouldn't have ditched his ex-wife, or he would have been able to get the match. Talking about Vicky Guerrero at this stage, of course. Um, Edge says that Long should be careful, or he will end up just like his ex-wife did, without a job.
2: Oh, that's nice. So, little question on this: Vicki Guerrero was she joint
1: general manager with Teddy? Long? I think. I think what happened for a year or a year and a half or so, she became general manager and Teddy Long was kind of like her assistant for a bit. Um, And then, of course, she by this point, I assume she has been fired. And therefore, that's why Teddy Long has been promoted again. We see quite a lot of Teddy Long on this show. First of many. Next up is the second match tonight, Rey Mysterio versus Chris Jericho in a match where Chris Jericho's intercontinental title is on the line, as is Rey Mysterio's mask. The contest lasts 15 minutes um, and is won by Rey Mysterio after he hits a splash uh, after springboarding himself over the top rope for a pin. Um, The fans were very into this one, I thought. Um, Old Man, your thoughts on the match overall?
2: Mysterious dressed as a zebra and Jericho in his, is in his Ellen DeGeneres phase. I know other commentators. So we got Todd Grisham on our loyalty respect and JR. They're so, so close together. It's uncomfortable to watch because they're basically sat on, each, I'm guessing JR, Had his leg up on Todd Grisham's thigh. <laughs> because <I'm, clears throat> cause I probably would have. Um, I'll be honest. I don't think this was very good. Tommy alluded to this, and I think he might have ruined wrestling for me. So the whole point of this match is that Jericho wants to unmask Ray. Unmask him? I don't know why. do doesn't really make any sense. But they're having a wrestling match where he's got to pin him for a three count to take his mask off. And Tommy said this about a match, and I can't remember which one it was the other week. And I was like, oh, yeah, why are they doing that? And that that was all I could think in my head. And the commentators do a tremendous job of selling the importance of the Intercontinental title, which was good. There's a nice little springboard into a code breaker, which was mm. f- very well done, which I enjoyed. And a nice little slow crawl to the cover by Jericho, to his credit. And the finish where uh, Jericho pulls off Mysterio's mask. But <laughs> Don't you worry, he's got a very hot head, Ray, because he's wearing two masks. They don't call him Ray Mysterio. No, it's not going to work. <laughs> um, uh, rain this two masks? No, no. Anyway, um, apart from those little spots, I just thought it was very. And this is quite weird because it's a very Mysterio match, but I found it very boring. Mm. And I put I lay this directly at Jericho's door because again he proves that he's tremendous until the bow rings, and then his levels recede back quicker than my hairline during my mid twenties.
1: Uh, Tom. Um,
2: so
3: I think Umbridge is one thing you said there, old man. You said Ellen's generous. My wife walked in the room mm-hmm. and she could not stop saying how much he looked like Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> his hair is very much Gordon Gordon Ramsay esque Um, Todd Grisham says that uh Ray Mysterio has worn a mask forever, which we know is true, but no it's not true, because he got unmasked famously in uh in uh you. Then JR immediately goes on to say that he didn't initially wear the mask until his uncle gave him the blessing. So immediately <laughs> contradicts what Todd Griffin said. Uh, Chris Jericho has got Save Me on his shorts, which I assume he must love the Queen song of the same name. <laughs> save me, save me, save me. Loving it. Um, uh, um Do you know what? I, this match was all right. I didn't mind it. I didn't think it was amazing, but I didn't think it was bad. I'm always going to be able to find some kind of enjoyment from a very mysterious match. His... um. Got a seated sent on off the top rope to the outside, nearly kills chris jericho which is which is pretty savage, but there's a bit as well that i and the, I thought the crowd were really into it as well I thought the crowd were quite into this match as well, but there's a bit in it that and I wanted to kind of it's not it's something I noticed in this match but I've seen it before. I didn't understand the logic of baby faces kicking out when a heel's got their foot on the ropes in the middle of a match. It seems like a really daft thing to me, like it seems to defy. Well if you're gonna kick out, what was the point in doing it in the first place? Unless you're gonna if you're the yeah. if you're the if you are the the heel in the match, don't put your feet on the ropes to try and gain the advantage unless that's the finish.
1: Well oh, I think the idea is to ratchet up the drama, isn't it? It's like an, yeah, a way of of increasing the impact of the potential pinfall mm. in the eyes of the audience and then delivering a false finish.
3: Yeah. And there's also a bit where um Steer goes for a seated senton on. And uh, Jericho catches him and puts him straight into the walls of Jericho, which is quite a cool spot that I enjoyed. I thought it was fine. I thought the match was quite good. The crowd went mad when Rey Mysterio won. They really, really, really popped for him. And it was nice to see after, you know, the, the harsh treatment of the ECW fans he got the other week. So I reckon four years later, Rey Mysterio was still <laughs> smarting about that. And he was like, yes, that showed him.
1: I don't think Rey Mysterio is smart about it, but you clearly are. So it's going to be chewing on it for a very long time. Uh, I quite like this match, and I, but I know what you're talking about. There's a... I think this is a consequence of a couple of things. I think, first of all, and this probably applies to a lot of stuff on this show, I think it does... This show is impacted by the PG, the the, the change to PG. This is obviously not that long after, It maybe 18 months, maybe a bit less than 18 months after they went PG again. And... I got the really got the sense that they're really trying as well to keep it PG. Like they've really tried to lock everything down and not let people do too much that's too intense. So less about what they do, but more about how intense they do those things and to make it kind of just a bit more family friendly. As if, like, basically, it probably is really hard to shake off the whiff of being this kind of adult company that you've been effectively for 10 years and so the only way to shake that off is to be completely the other way and be really really safe and really sterile so i got that impression and and that's kind of part of my issue i think with this match that that, the issues i had anyway is that it's just not there's not a lot of intensity to the match it's just very kind of sterile is the best i can can, Mm. can can call it really saying that i still thought they did have a good match and I thought that some of the spots later in the match, in particular, are really good. You, you mentioned, of course, the the uh, power that sorry, Jericho um, reversing the um, seated senton into the uh, walls of Jericho, and there was a code breaker at some point that Jericho hits as Mysterio springboards from a second rope for good false finish. Um, so there are some really good moments in it, and I think I think what it is though, again, the other part of it is that this is Rey Mysterio later in his career where he's just not as spectacular. It's just simply not as spectacular. He's still good. He can still go. He can, he's still got the psychology down. He still knows what he's doing. He still knows how to gain the maximum out of what he does it's just not as impressive as, as what it used to be. So I think those two factors, the, the PG or lack of intensity about it, and the uh, the fact that Rey Mysterio is just not quite as spectacular as he, he once was, brings this down a notch. I just um, I imagine this match happening in, the, in 1999, 10 years before this, and imagining it being much, much better, basically, mm. because I feel like it would have been in a less controlled environment and when they're both, well, certainly Rey Mysterio is much more able to go at that point. This, of course, is a lucha de apuestas match. Do we know what that uh, means, Tom, in Spanish?
3: A we'll fight of something, but I don't know what apuestas means.
1: It means matches with wages. That's what it means. Matches oh. with wages. So lucha de apuestas applies to all the hair versus hair, hair versus mask, mask versus oh, mask, mask versus title. hair. <laughs> Type matches that there is. Old man, of course, lost his hair versus hair match with God many years ago. Going to see one one
3: final thing on this on this match. I think I'm getting a bit of Jericho fatigue, lads. I think we've watched quite a lot of Chris Jericho matches, <laughs> and uh, and I was never as down on him as you have been, Tinky, in the past. But I'm starting to get there. Familiarity breeding contempt a little
2: bit, now, you know. What I mean? fortu- fortunately, this is the the only Jericho match on the show. So <laughs> that's a good thing, isn't
1: it? Yeah, yeah. Stop, stop yeah. So it is. I will say, though, that um this show actually takes his tally up to eight matches that we've covered of his, which is the same as Hulk Hogan, and they are now joint top in terms of the list of people who've had matches. Oh,
2: so there let, you go. Let me tell you something, brother.
1: <laughs> well, it's interesting that you haven't felt the same way about Hogan, though, Tom. Oh, yeah,
2: but you know why.
1: Because he's a big old racist.
3: <laughs> no, it, well, the fact is there's... All, I've never seen any of the WCW matches that we've seen of him and which admittedly might be only one. And a couple of his matches have been on Saturday night's main events, and they're always yeah. going to be five stars. So
1: <laughs> They'd be six stars if they're in the Tokyo Dome, though, wouldn't they, Tom?
3: Yeah, the Tokyo they Dome's too scared to run a Saturday night's main event back in the 80s.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so after this, it appears as if something's been cut out, because they, the, mm. the, the screen fades, and then we're back... In the arena again straight away. Don't know what it was. Haven't looked it up, but it does appear, and there also appears to be the same later on in the show as well at some point.
2: It was someone swinging a massive dick on the screen, but they left some of that in because they show Donald Trump and Vince McMahon having a dick swinging match <laughs> in the uh, in the ring on the commercial free rule with Trump. I can
3: remember that episode of Raw because I can remember them giving it the big one about how. Is a commercial-free Raw, but it would just sat around with like massive buckets of KFC on there on
0: the fucking yeah. end
3: the United States tables and stuff. It was amazing. It was like a, it was like they having a buffet at their desk, but obviously, you know, without <laughs> any actual advert breaks. And from what memory is correct, it felt like the longest episode of Raw ever.
1: I also heard that Michael Cole was really upset because no one supplied any HP sauce.
3: Well, you don't need it with a KFC. You got, you got your gravy, you got your beans. You know, Michael
1: fine. Michael Cole has HP sauce on everything, mate.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and also obviously Harley Race was upset because he wasn't invited to the buffet.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I bet you he still managed to get the stuff at the end though. <laughs> yeah.
2: They, uh, they, they couldn't afford to uh, to get
3: a real KFC, so it's Colonel Robert Parker's
1: chicken. <laughs> nice. Very good. Um, Yeah, so we, as you said, we get footage from the commercial free rule with Donald Trump as guest GM. I don't really know what happened here because the story appears to be that Donald Trump has bought raw or bought half of Mm -hmm. raw or something. And Vince McMahon then is forced to pay him double what Trump bought for it to get it back. And apparently this shows Trump's art of the deal. Vince then tells Trump that he's fired in a kind of turnabout of the role that Trump usually plays on The Apprentice at the time. And then Vince gets slapped for his troubles.
3: Well, it's, it's obviously an advert for a new season of The Apprentice, it must have been mustn't must it? Have it been, assuming yeah. they're on the same network but even just watching the highlights of it if you will, it looks fucking shit, Donald Trump as we've known over the last couple of uh, years can't talk, just can't talk that's all, he just doesn't know how to string a sentence together and do you really want to see two billionaires doing this it's just it shit
2: I wrote, Trump and McMahon have a dick swinging match which must have been fabulous for the paying crowd. And then I had to have a little time out. So I imagined being in that crowd and just being like, Jesus, I paid $60 to do this. I could have been out and getting my bloody head stoofed in. Well, what's
1: more is that they, they almost bring that front and center into the minds of the crowd, because one of the things Trump says he'll do as the new owner of Raw is allow people to come in for free to the shows. And you're like, oh, but all these people have paid already. And then Vince oh, McMahon yeah. says you can't you can't do that because then we'd go bankrupt and we'd have no you know, we wouldn't be able to make all the money we make off these people. And I'm like, that's a little bit on the nose, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> doesn't, he, doesn't he say that
3: yeah, does, does he say he's going to refund all the money back to them? I tell you, these fuckers, poor cunts, deserved it. Jesus. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and the problem is, is because the show didn't end with Trump in charge. I bet they didn't get any money back. I'm sure they didn't,
1: no. If you were at that show, please report back and we will yes. uh, We'll be very happy to take your, uh, your testimony. Then backstage, we see Triple H being taped up ahead of his three stages of hell match with Randy Orton. Any thoughts on that? I mean, I'm happy to blast past it, but I just thought I'd put it out there um, just in case.
2: I was thinking that I can only see three stages of hell being my idea of three stages of hell between these two.
1: Backstage, we see Chris Jericho barge into Teddy Long's office and demand a rematch against Rey Mysterio for Here Tonight. Teddy Long, again, denies Jericho's request, then says that he's the longest serving general manager in WWE history and will have been in role for five years in a month's time. And one of the reasons he's been able to survive for so long is not giving in to the first person who demanded something.
2: Bloody right as well.
1: Next up, we get a video package, uh, which uh, is kind of hyping up the next match between Dolph Ziggler and the Great Khali. Dolph Ziggler introduced himself and issues an open challenge on SmackDown, which is answered by Khali. We then see Ziggler attack Khali with a chair and we see him outsmart Khali on two occasions, once by winning by DQ and another by winning by countout.
3: This match is an absolute beauty. (laughs) I love the Great Khali's entrance music. It's amazing.
2: Mm.
3: You know my opinion on Dolph Ziggler.
2: Nothing.
3: Yeah, <laughs> um, his overselling, which he does do all the time, is perfect for t- t- to go against Great Kalie. Hmm. These two, you can only ever have these two in matches against each other. So that's the only <laughs> way it feasibly makes any sense. But nothing really happens in the match. It's quite shit, slow, plodding, boring. And then out of nowhere, Kane turns up and attacks the Great Kalie with a chair. With Dolph Ziggler, quickly runs in and, and pins him because it's a no disqualification match. So Ziggler wins, and so do the fans because it looks like we're getting a great Cali versus Kane angle coming up oh. for the next over the next couple of weeks. And in a weird way, I kind of admire this feud because it was it looks to me like it was evidently done just to set up the Kane angle.
1: Well, and to get Dolph Ziggler on television for the first. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's his probably. I think this is when he's just turned out. This is his first kind of feud in WWE. Mm-hmm. It is, as you say, a no DQ, no countout match because of what. Dolph Ziggler managed to do previously on SmackDown. So there was a reason behind the uh, the stipulation, although, as you said, although obviously the end kind of um, allows them them to do what they do at the end as well with Kane, uh, with Dolph opportunistically getting the pin. It lasts only five minutes. Old man, any thoughts on this one?
2: It's a long five minutes. (laughs) Um, So let's be honest, this is as good as it's going to get. It just made me think of two years previous, We'd watched Kali have a little scrap with Cena. We talked about on that show how he taps out, loses, and that's him done. I'm astonished he's still wrestling two years later, let alone setting up a new feud with Kane. I mean, that's not... No. 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 But yeah, just really crap. Devious Dolph. Again, like Tommy says, good opponent for Kali. And then I thought, eh, Devious Dolph. He's exactly the same character. 12 years later, as he is, and I know this is a criticism that Tommy's levelled at him and also both of you have levelled at WWE in general, that 12 years later, Dolph Ziggler is still exactly the same thing, even to the point of having the same ring entrance. Triple H-esque. Even after all that stuff. It's the second time I've got that
1: one in. Uh, I'm going to keep going. Uh... <laughs> the thing is, like, like the, the
3: weird thing is, despite everything about it being shit, something happens yeah <laughs> which is which is all i want it's got the, the, this whole thing it's crap but there is a purpose regardless as to how rubbish that eventual payoff is going to be there's at least something happens and there's a very loose but at least there's a logic behind it so we don't know why kane's attacked the great kali but we do know that yes and the great kali is going to extract some kind of revenge against him you would imagine
2: Mm -hmm. I
1: I think I'm going to say this for them, not this match necessarily, but in general, I think this show, regardless what you think of the matches overall, we'll obviously get there. But I think in terms of a story, a plot based show, I think this show hits its plot points well. Mm -hmm we've already seen Jericho versus Rey Mysterio and the culmination of their feud ultimately, which is the title versus mask match. And the baby face comes out with the victory and Jericho's still angry afterwards and he goes into Teddy Long's office and demands a rematch, which Teddy Long denies him, but then plays into what happens next, which we'll get to in a second. And this introduced Dolph Ziggler into the WWE, giving him a little feud with the great Kali, which isn't that important, but ultimately in they've during SmackDown, giving you a reason why this is no DQ and no count out because of what Dolph Ziggler's managed to do in those previous matches, and then use that to transition into the great Carly's next feud with Kane. So I quite like the various storyline points that we've had so far and that we have later on in the show during this one. Next up, we get Teddy Long backstage. Wow. He's back again. (laughs) Um, He is this time visited by Vince McMahon. (laughs) (laughs) McMahon apologizes to Teddy Long for putting him on probation. He says it was a bit harsh. He then says that he heard Teddy Long telling Jericho that he's been GM for five years and realizes that Long has accomplished absolutely nothing, comparing him unfavorably to Eric Bischoff, Paul Heyman, William Regal and even Mike Adamley. He then tells Long that he's still on probation and he needs to sort his, his ideas out.
2: Well, you missed out the best bit. It imitates his little dancing and then makes a really weird face. (laughs) (laughs) Which I've just written at the end of my little notes on this. A very odd segment. But so much fun. So this
1: feeds into the next match, which originally is scheduled to be um, Cody Rhodes and Ted DiBiase against Carlito and Primo for the tag team titles. But before the match begins, Teddy Long comes out and introduces a third team, to this match to make it a triple threat and the third team is the team of edge and chris jericho the match itself runs for nine and a half minutes and ends when carlito hits Rhodes with a backstabber but just before that happens edge gets the blind tag edge then spears carlito and pins him tom thoughts on the match cody's breaking the biggie rule Oh, massively, massively. He's
2: smashing those back doors in,
1: isn't he? Absolutely, scumbag. Um,
3: why are there two belts if the belts are unified? Does my idea when they do this. Mm. If it's a unified title, then it should be one belt. It makes no sense to me, annoys me. I don't have many notes about this. I must make a quick correction. There was this match in which my wife commented, commented on uh, Jericho's hair, looking ah. like Gordon Ramsay, so it's to clarify that, in case she listens, which she won't. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
1: so supportive of you is your wife I just couldn't I just didn't care about
3: this in any way shape or form there's a couple of little bits in it like the colons do some quite fun or colons should I say um (laughs) (laughs) these um pretty fun like double team moves you know what I mean like there's one bit like where like one of them like does a leapfrog and the other one's just behind him and does hits their opponent with a drop kick and it looks quite cool and stuff like that but it's not it's just not very good it's just didn't care about it at all. There's obviously they're doing like a little bit of a storyline that Edge and Jericho just can't get into the ring. At one point, they just can't get tagged in. But overall, it's just a bit bit of a nothing match that I didn't particularly care for.
2: I thought the point that you just touched on, Tommy, that's why it struggles, because the match just becomes about Edge and Jericho wanting in. So these poor fuckers, the bloody Colons and Rhodes and the they're just inconsequential, and therefore the titles become inconsequential.
1: Can I just ask a question? You can. If Primo or Carlito get a slight erection, does mm. that make them the semicolons?
2: No! <laughs> 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 That's lovely. Uh, excellent. excellent work, mate. Well done. First class. And Are these the lads who are also in the Tommy <laughs> Dreamer? <project? laughs> look, how, look how happy he is. Yes, <laughs> he hasn't sat back that smug since he shut himself that time.
1: I'll, I'll see you later, boys. I'm off.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what was that? <laughs> I'm just yeah. trying to think where to go. I feel like I'm not going to top it. That, you, you, you've put yeah, you, you put some pressure on me. The end is predictable from the start of the match, oh. and you are literally just waiting for the end of the match and. I've already had one Jericho much. I don't really want another, and he's not even in it that much, to be honest. Also, the other two teams, like, I really like Carly, Tim, and Primo. I don't really care a lot for Rhodes and Bibiasi. There's not really a lot for me. The best bit about it is Carlito and Primo's music, which kind of got me through the first couple of minutes just playing it around in my head. And also, this is the first showing of incredibly sad Teddy Long when he... Brings out Jericho and Edge. We, he's got gradually sadder and sadder through the show. He's very sad at this point. Do you guys
3: think, refer to your point then, old man, about the fact that as soon as Edge and Jericho come out, it becomes predictable. They'd have been better off having Primo and Carlito beat Legacy and then Teddy Long chuck them in a match immediately after
2: with Edge and Jericho. 100%. <laughs> Yeah,
1: I I agree really it was a bit forgettable this one and it's a shame because I remember when we went to WrestleMania 25 Carlito and Primo versus Cody Rhodes and Ted DiBiase I believe was due to happen on the show it ended up being part of the pre-show and we were quite disappointed for them because I think we were quite looking forward to it because we think these guys are relatively good or we thought these guys are relatively good it shows maybe here you're right that maybe adding Jericho and Edge just completely takes away from the whole point of them fighting because you kind of know what's happening here Um, But again, from a story plotline perspective, I don't mind it because it allows Jericho to move smoothly away from the Rey Mysterio feud um, because of everything we've just seen. And it also allows Edge, who still wants to be involved in the world title picture with Jeff Hardy and CM Punk, to do the same. So I quite like that aspect of it, that Mm. they've smartly moved them away without just having a really kind of weird oh, I'm not going to worry about that anymore. They've given them something else to worry about, which means that they, they kind of um, can get away from it without it feeling yeah. strange.
2: That, that's the thing. From a match point of view, because I can com- I completely agree with you, thinking, because I thought that as well again, but from a pure match point of view, this is just so vanilla. It's just like, just give me a bit. Just give me a bit of Neapolitan. All
3: right, I'm going to take a little bit of umbrage at that expression. So I'm a big fan of the flavour of vanilla. Well, that's and I because think
2: you're it, a I, sad sack.
3: I think, th- I think, <laughs> I think it's got a poor reputation. It's, it's got a reputation that it doesn't deserve. Vanilla is delicious. Vanilla is a lovely flavour, and it annoys me that people use that
2: use it as a negative because vanilla is lovely. Wow. Someone's, someone's, uh, love gets sweeter every day. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh. Is that another Sydney Koi song? I think it's, yeah. I think
1: it's actually this. Isn't it the same song, but just a different lyric? Uh,
2: no, no. Oh, it's, it's a different song. Well, wow, I'm impressed. I'm very impressed with that. Yeah, so did you did you just say vanilla so you could get that in? No, I didn't actually. It it was just natural. Sometimes humor just flows. Um, anyway, Sorry, sorry. I need to. I need to this. I have no problem with vanilla ice cream, but it's a term that's used because it's so readily available. I want some rum and raisin. Oh, fuck off. That's Roman raisins, gross. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Right. If if Tinky almost walked off after his joke, I'm gonna walk off now. <laughs> I quite like a bit of rum and raisin. I'll be honest. How do you feel about vanilla? I I'm happy with vanilla,
1: but I to be honest, I like a bit of flavour in the uh, in the ice cream, and the flavour of vanilla is vanilla.
3: I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of vanilla custard though. Oh glorious.
1: Just, the thing is though, I'm just a big fan of custard. It doesn't matter if it's vanilla or not. Custard's amazing. Well, with vanilla
3: custard is vanilla flavour.
1: Well, there you go then. It's fine. Mm. But custard is amazing. Uh, and the, there's nothing that annoys me more on MasterChef than when they call it fucking creme anglaise. Fuck off, it's custard, right? <laughs> and the reason I know it's custard is because you've called it English cream because it's from England. And so as a consequence, I know that it's custard.
2: Go on, so, and... shooting,
3: Hitting a fucking shoot promo on MasterChef. Oh, I love
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I think we, we, we aren't going to top it. After the joke and after the thing about Finley Quay again, Um, we're going to have to take a little break. And come back you know what, in just a few moments once we've all calmed down. Especially old I, man, he looks like he's on it again.
2: <laughs> I th- I I think we could top it, not once but hundreds and thousands of times. Oh
1: God, Christ! We'll see you back <laughs> here in just a moment.
2: Teddy Long, Teddy Long, Mr. McMahon. Ah, ah, how
0: you doing? I'm good, sir. Right. Good, yeah, good, good. Uh, why don't I get on this side over here? Yeah. I look a little bigger on this side. You know what I'm saying? No problem, <laughs> Mr. McMahon. Whatever you want. Ah, ah, yeah. I came to apologize tonight. I think it was a little harsh on you uh, last Friday on SmackDown. I put you on probation, but you have to understand the frame of mind I was in after that Trump fiasco on Monday. I do understand. Right. Well, um, I was going to apologize, and then I heard what you said to Jericho a little while ago, and you reminded Jericho that you were the longest reigning general manager in WWE history. That's right. And I thought, my God, you've accomplished – you've accomplished – Absolutely nothing. How did nothing. you do that? <laughs> That's amazing. I think about your predecessors, uh, uh, Eric Bischoff and uh, Heyman, those guys, uh, Regal, uh, even a Mike Adamley. Um, they all brought something to the table. They were all leaders. Yeah, yeah, but and, yeah, yeah, but shut your mouth. And 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 then I thought about you in terms of your leadership skills. And I thought about, look at it this way, picture it. You, and me, we're, we're we're in a foxhole together, okay? And um, and and then out of sheer boredom and depression, I would shoot myself. The only thing you have going for you at all in terms of entertainment is that, that little dance thing at do. And even then, you don't even have a sense of rhythm. You're still on
1: probation. Get it together. Welcome back to the show. Now, I think this is the bit where there seems to be another edit or another cut because there appears to be a Night of Champions advert that isn't shown. And I wonder, I have no idea why, because when we come back, Lawler and Cole are talking about Night of Champions immediately so I don't know what's happened there it's really strange and who knows what maybe I had some song that they haven't got the licensing for in the advert and they thought rather than rather than dub it they just may as well remove it because it was just an advert so then we get backstage Randy Orton he talks to Ted DiBiase Jr and Cody Rhodes and he says that it's not important that they didn't win the tag team titles what's important is that they help him beat Triple H later on. DiBiase then responds by telling him good luck with Triple H and walks away angrily from Orton.
3: The acting is something else (laughs) in this. Really, it is... We think that Shawn Michaels concussed acting's bad. It is. It's not as bad as that, admittedly, but it is so wooden. And again, my good wife was sitting on the sofa and she was like, what the fuck are you watching?
2: I do believe that both Randy Orton and Ted DiBiase played the Marine. They did. Yeah. But the man who's made the
1: role his own is the Miz though. <laughs> Randy Orton was definitely cast to play the Marine, but I got a feeling he had to be pulled.
2: Yeah. Because he walked out on the Marines. Oh, yeah,
1: or yeah, was dishonorably yeah.
2: discharged or something, so That's interesting. So he, if he, I if I
3: quit a job, I wouldn't be able to ever be in a film. Which had the same no, cause
1: it wasn't that. It's was because he was dishonorably discharged and therefore yeah. it was seen as being disrespectful to the military, that he would play someone from the military.
2: Yeah, they were like, yeah, John Cena can do that. The man who throws the worst punch in the history of wrestling. Yeah, you can do that. And plus, look at the clothes that Cena wears. He's not fooling anyone, is he? You can see me. They bloody can they will not let him in the military. He do not even tuck his fucking t-shirt in. Voice yeah, the that's
1: true. A
3: clean tuck line. He don't he probably doesn't even make his bed properly. He dressed like a toddler so there are probably like toys and stuff all over his bedroom. So you yep. don't get in the military. He's no, he's no Marine.
1: He does know how to salute though. So there we go. At least he's got that.
3: Amazing. Imagine if you did the old five rings of the Space Corps. Absolute like river. <laughs> that'd
0: be amazing.
1: We then get our next match, it's for the Women's <laughs> Championship and features Melina against Michelle McCall in a match that goes six and a half minutes and ends when McCall hits the Stars Clash on Melina for the pin and the title. Oh Ban, your thoughts on this one?
3: Tommy, did you want to say something? I just only the fact that obviously Michelle McCall is accompanied by WWE legend Alicia Fox.
1: <laughs> Sorry, I forgot about that. Yes. <laughs> McCall is accompanied by WWE's official trademark legend, Alicia Fox.
2: So let's get little bug bear of mine out. This is in WWE's smart, sexy and powerful phase of women's wrestling, which poor JR shoehorns in about four times. Mm. And uh I already get it. It didn't really bother me that much. But uh, Todd Grisham then says, this isn't the Golden Girls. And I was like, (laughs) no one thought it was the Golden Girls. And then I thought, "Oh, what if the Golden Girls started wrestling? So anyway, let's back to the match. I thought this was bloody great. I thought this was really, really fucking good. And I thought, by a fair distance, this is the best match so far. I thought, they've got a nice little story with the leg. Uh, Michelle McCall's working over Melina's leg. It's just, Melina's really good. Much better than I remember. I remember Michelle McCall being good, but Melina is selling like an absolute hero while she's working over the leg. I genuinely think that if they'd have been given three or four minutes extra, this would have been an absolute rip there. As it was, <coughs> it was just a ripper.
1: I, I wouldn't necessarily agree that it was the best thing on the show so far, but what I will say is I know what you're getting at, because I've got, in my notes here, there's lots of intensity from Melina in the early going, more intensity than we've seen in any other part of the show so far. Yeah. We've got, as you say, McCall, Michelle McCall works on Melina's leg. The, there's a t- tilt-a-whirl gut-buster by Michelle McCall at one point, which I thought was very good. There is that horrible-looking Boston crab style submission move that she does where basically Mm. melina's back of melina's foot hits the back of her head just looks awful but in a very good way so i thought there was a lot to like in this and then the end with the styles clash which also was pretty well done um the only thing that i thought that was clear about this match which made it which demoted it quite significantly was that fans just didn't give a shit
3: the thing is they're not given a reason to care about it no it's true yeah do you know what I mean like it's, it's when the W3 weren't presenting women as being particularly serious, despite the fact that, as you lads have both said, it's it's a decent match. I mean there's one thing that I think we can all be thankful for, this match, and that it's on SmackDown, and that Jerry Lawler is not on commentary. Yes. <laughs> because that we can take those small mercies as well away from it. Um, but that that was basically that's I've got you guys have covered everything that I wanted to cover from the match. The only thing that I did wanna say is you're not enough of me. <laughs> ah,
2: you're not enough of me. Ah, oh, great! What, what music that is? That's a banger. You've reminded me actually, because I hate Molina's music. I always hated it when it was Eminem, because it's so whiny. It's like me in my own head watching really <laughs> crap wrestling, just. <laughs> it's horrible it's absolutely horrible the best thing about it is those guys with the uh, carpet rolling it out oh it's absolutely horrible music.
1: I don't know if you guys noticed this but during this match and maybe during one of the previous matches that the Smackdown uh, commentary team was on I got the impression Jim Ross was trying a little bit to add a hint of colour commentary to his his, um, work here obviously he's next to Todd Grisham they're two straight play-by-play guys and i felt like jim ross was doing his best to just add a little bit of color here and there
2: yeah he's not very good at it no which i mean he's been doing the play-by-play for god knows how many bloody years to this point probably about 20 years and he's yeah he he tries i think he finds it quite a stretch
1: yeah i think i noticed it first during the ziggler Kali match and he kind of is trying to give excuses for the things Ziggler's done. And he kind of talks about how impressed he is by Ziggler. He's not being a heel, but he's try—he's just trying to bring a little bit of colour. And that's what reminded me of it is when you talked about the Golden Girls comment that Todd Grisham made yeah. as a consequence of Jim Ross saying about the,
2: what was it? as sexy, powerful. Oh, yeah. Come on.
1: That's <laughs> <laughs> it. Yeah. That. So, yeah, I, do, I don't know. It was weird. I, I noticed that. Jim Ross calling anything
2: sexy
3: as well yeah. it's just a bit like
2: oh come on lad yeah because there's someone for everyone but he's not um... it's not even that but it's just like his. he's presented
3: good old JR you know he's your, yeah. like, your, your granddad sort of thing doing commentary and he's like oh, God, I'm sexy British
1: you know like, like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure you're putting words in his mouth now Tom I don't think you said that
3: <laughs> no, but it did make me think of that but we were talking about months ago when, it, when he was talking about um Terry Runnels and he's like ah oh, little
1: bitch <laughs> <laughs> okay, next up we get a hype video for CM Punk versus Jeff Hardy where um Hardy beats Edge for the world title in a ladder match um in the previous show and Punk then cashes in the money in the bank and wins the title. Um, This is for the World Heavyweight title. Uh, CM Punk is the champion and it goes for 15 minutes and ends when Hardy hits a twist of fate, then a swanton and gets the pin. Hardy's music plays, but the referee calls it off because Punk's foot is under the bottom rope. Hardy then argues with the referee, but the match continues and Hardy hits Punk with an elbow to prevent Punk getting the go to sleep. And afterwards, Punk holds his eye as if it's hurt the referee then tells hardy to back off punk however kicks the ref in the back and he's disqualified after the match hardy confronts punk suggesting that punk kicked the referee on purpose to get himself disqualified as punk uh, protests that that's not what happened and then uh, hardy then attacks punk as the fans uh, kind of go mad for the brawl between the two who wants to go first on this one
3: so first of all side in the crowd punk is not hardy enough <laughs> Zing! Oh, <laughs> well, there we go. Uh, big, uh, big uh, Scott Armstrongs in the stripes. So yeah. it's not a surprise that Punk gives him a little kick later on. Um, <laughs> Jeff Hardy takes an incredible bump into the railings at one point, mm-hmm. which is which looks absolutely mental. And at the beginning of the match, there's lots of head scissors from CM Punk to Jeff Hardy.
0: Yeah. The
3: last thing I'd want is Punk's straight edge against the back of my head. It's incredibly comfortable. <laughs> I haven't got much, actually, about the context of the match. But Punk misses an elbow drop the top rope and he sells his ass like he's got piles <laughs> at one point, which is, which is very enjoyable. But that end is so shit. And I guess they're trying to do it so they can continue on with the storyline from Jeff Hardy and, uh, and CM Punk. But it's just really bad. The one thing I will say is that the crowd are booing the shit out of it. And I don't know if they're doing that because they're kayfabe unhappy with the result or it's just really shit.
1: Maybe a bit of both.
3: Yeah. And then Jeff Hardy attacks Punk and then there's a little bit of a mope around the ring for a little bit, which (laughs) seems very forced to me. It seemed to me that at that point, they're trying really hard to get like a round of applause for Jeff Hardy at the end of the match. Which mm. doesn't really happen, so he just wanders around the ring looking a little bit sad. There's also a bit at the beginning of the match where he tries to get his own Hardy chant going as well. <laughs> yes. like the and he goes, Ah oh, Hardy, Ah oh, Hardy, and
1: eventually. <laughs> I've <laughs> never seen anything like that before.
3: It reminded me, there's a bit in the American Office when this one guy goes to this H to the HR rep and he's like, um, he's like, I need to get a release ship for him because me and Val from the wearers are gonna start going out. And he's like, okay, here you go. It's the form. Uh, what's her last name? And he's like, I don't know it. And he's like, but I, I will know it later. When she's screaming it out later in the throes of passion, and the guy freaked out goes,
2: she's gonna be screaming her last name. <laughs> oh man, but this is another cash in for money in the bank where someone stole the title. They haven't stolen the title. It's within the rules. But it actually works on this point, because they're actually trying to do some with it. <laughs> <laughs> it's the change. <laughs> because that was basically the gambit of emotions I had in the opening video. And then I was like, oh, they're trying to do some with it. Cool. It's, uh, like,
1: was... it's like the opposite Frank Lampard, where he starts off seriously and then makes a joke. Oh, man, just gets really angry and then calms down. Really yeah. peaceful now.
3: <laughs> well, like, can you remember that that, um, that guy on the Australian News a couple of years ago where he's like, I mean, <laughs> then a thousand blossoms bloom pretty full of people that are tired of to their own sexual proclivities. That's as far as I'm concerned. But I'd spend any more time on it when there's people in North Queensland getting eaten by alligators. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so with the pre-video, there's really odd like, Christmas movie chase music playing in the background, which I bloody enjoyed. And it made me think of Home Alone. And I was like, here we go then. Didn't watch Home Alone though, because I'm a professional. Carried on watching the show. Lack of face paint on Jeff Hardy, which JR points out immediately. Wouldn't have even noticed, which I thought was very odd. I was like, oh, I don't think I would have noticed that. I quite like this. And I think it's... Punk's such a good cunt. He's so good, because he just does these little things, like, in the match. Jeff Harvey Hardy does something... And then Punk does a really slow hand clap, but like it's kind of like Jeff Hardy's a bit stupid, so he don't really get it. He do not really get that he's mocking him, but it gets the crowd. They're a little bit like, "This Punk's an absolute shit house. He's an absolute shit house." Um, the but yeah, like the match is decent enough. I actually really like the finish because it's really crap, but it's really well done, and I think it's because it's Punk. I Big fan of CM Punk, so I'm kind of predisposed to like it more than I would say if this was Jeff Jarrett doing it, let's say. Like, yeah, so I'm predisposed to like it, but I just thought it was really hokey and crap, and it would have been... I don't normally do this when I'm watching a show, but I kind of thought about what it would have led to, and at least to a match at SummerSlam, I think, this year, but the fact that they've got something to work off of again as well and it also which is quite rare for me made me want to watch another match between these two lads which isn't really the idea of a pay-per-view match but shouldn't be i grant you but i'll bloody have it
1: i think that it's okay i don't think it's a bad match i don't think it's a great match but i didn't mind the ending either It, it it makes the match worse the end does definitely but again i'm going back to the story the plot line of this and i really like the plot of this because i've i mean i said i've criticized previous endings for not making logical sense in terms of the story now there is there is a little bit of something in there where i'm like does scott armstrong really believe that punk can't see and therefore has kicked him in the back that doesn't quite make sense to me but if you can allow yourself to believe that then this is the journey the punk is on to become a heel, because he's not quite officially there yet. They, mm. if you remember, when we were at WrestleMania 25, that was Punk's second successive Money in the Bank victory, and there were quite a lot of boos at WrestleMania 25 for him, even though he was at the time a babyface. And so they're now kind of seizing on that and going, okay, well we we'll we'll make Punk a heel, but we're not going to do it overnight. We're going to give people a reason to really start for him to get under people's skin before we officially make him a heel. And so they've had him win the money in the bank and they've had Jeff Hardy saying, Oh, you know, you've taken advantage of, of me after I've been beaten, beaten up by edge in the, in the ladder match that we had. And then Punk has said, well, you know, that's just what happens. If you win the money in the bank, you're stupid if you don't do that because you've won the money in the bank. So he's kind of making excuses, but staying within the realm of somebody that could still be a baby face. He hasn't done anything specifically heelish. Then, though, he does this and it's clear that he's done it, obviously, like he's done it on purpose. But at the same time, he can maintain that plausible deniability that it it actually happened. So I like that from a story perspective. It gives them another reason to have a rematch. It gives them another reason to not still quite officially flip Punk into a heel, but still give people a reason to really dislike him before. And so I... I liked it in that respect. I agree, though, the match could have been so much more and the ending didn't help the match at all. But in terms of the story that these two are on, I think it was, again, a good, a well-plotted out sort of chapter of this feud. And as it wasn't the main event, I let them off because mm. there's another match to come where presumably we will get a more satisfying finish.
3: Presumably. <laughs>
1: presumably. Right. We'll get there, we'll get there. <laughs> So backstage is Teddy Long. Um, Come on, Teddy! And he is confronted by the colognes. Teddy tells them that Vince told him to step things up, and that is what he did, and he sticks by his decision.
3: Is it safe to say that the colognes were perfuming?
1: (laughs) Backstage, Randy Orton is shown calling Cody Rhodes, but only gets through to his voicemail. He then asks where they are in a message to them. This is so fucking crap. Like,
2: yeah,
1: this is so fucking shit.
3: And then we'll cut to this when it comes into the, the pre-match video package for the main event, but it makes fucking Randy Orton look like such a weak, scared little
2: bitch. Yeah. It's pathetic. More to the point, as uh, we noted to earlier, his acting is horrendous. Like, it's like someone's thrown a a wooden chair on set and placed a mobile phone next to it. He's,
1: terrible next up we get some footage from earlier oh. in the day where we see <laughs> where we see red theory performing. <laughs> Can't even finish. I don't even know what he's laughing at. And I still find it too funny. There's to about fucking seven people in this in this
2: crap music thing that they're doing. <laughs> so
1: Rev Theory are shown earlier in the day performing Voices, the Randy Orton theme tune, as are the band I think they're called Adelina's Way something like that, who play the New Superstars theme. Superstars, of course, have just been relaunched as a new show again at this point. Then Lola <laughs> thanks I think again. I don't know if I've got this right, but Aranda I believe it is for the song which is the official theme of The Bash. So we've got a lot of music tie-in here. It's all all going on. And then we have a hype video for The Miz versus John Cena, which largely consists of The Miz challenging John Cena, John Cena not uh, answering the challenge, and then eventually John Cena answering the challenge. That appears
2: to be the build-up to me. It went on for two months, apparently. (laughs) He just comes out every week challenging him, and Cena goes... It also is a video package of basically John Cena saying that people don't like him. Yeah. It's really weird. To be fair, it's bloody right.
1: Rev Theory, they're back again, are then shown in the crowd, as are Adelina's Way. So I'm I'm assuming that definitely is their name. There's then a guy in the crowd with a sign that says, please no more Big Show versus John Cena. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then we get John Cena versus The Miz, which is a match that lasts five minutes and 40 seconds and ends when Cena... Um, goes for a five knuckle shuffle five knuckle shuffle <laughs> five knuckles <laughs> oh my <shuffle>. God kay <laughs> I got
2: a five knuckle
1: shuffle. Uh, he then hits an AA and then locks in the STF for the win the Miz pretty much taps out immediately. Tom, any thoughts on this one?
3: My thoughts are on this. I could not get into this match at all because I thought that I really disliked the ending of the of the previous match. really dislike the end of it. And also, I looked at the time and then realised I had at least a half an hour Triple H versus Randy Orton match to go <laughs> afterwards. So I was just sat there thinking, oh God, I'm having going to sit through this fucking dog shit. Ladies in the crowd, loving Cena. And then I wrote, Cena wins with an STF. What was the fucking point of that? What was the point of it? Two months of The Miz calling it John Cena. He beats him, makes The Miz look fucking shit. He even walks out after the match, and then, like, kicks dust at him. Imaginary dust at him. Walks out. Fucking shit. Fuck off, Cena. Go away.
1: Interestingly, for for the first two minutes of this match, I was very intrigued about where they were going with this, because the first two minutes sees The Miz being really aggressive, but John Cena out-wrestling him, and not going over the top. So John Cena was doing quite a lot of wrestling, and quite uncharacteristically amount of wrestling. Uh, and it reminded me Of the setup for the Bruno Sammartino, Larry Zabisco feud in 1980. And I'm not even joking. So they have a match on one of the free television shows at the time where they're both babyfaces. And Larry Zabisco challenges his mentor, Bruno Sammartino, to a match because he wants to test himself against him. And and before the match, Bruno Sammartino tells Zabisco, I'm not going to try and beat you but I will protect myself and I won't allow you to beat me. And so what happens is Zabisco goes into the match, tries to out-wrestle San Martino, fails again and again and again, and then eventually snaps and hits him with a chair, and that's where the feud begins, basically. Larrys Misco and Bruno Samantino. It used to be on the WWE Network. It isn't anymore, I don't believe, but I thought it was excellent when I watched it. I thought it was really well done. Great storyline based match in which then you could see him getting more and more frustrated, and then him doing that. I thought that's where they were going with this for the first two or three minutes. I thought, what we're going to get now is five, six, seven minutes of The Miz being out-wrestled over and over again by John Cena, and then The Miz just snapping, hitting him with a chair, bringing out a bit more of an aggressive personality, and all also, of course, then potentially extending the feud into another pay-per-view so you can have another pay-per-view match. And then when that didn't happen, I was really disappointed because <laughs> mm-hmm. I was thinking that would be a really cool way to go with this. Uh, it didn't happen. And as you say, it is a bit pointless in the end because then Cena kind of basically just crushes him, just squashes yeah. him completely. And um, yeah, does the little thing with his feet where he <laughs> sweeps dust into his into his face. So yeah, a bit pointless. Old man?
2: Yeah, utterly pointless. Just really poor. What it did say to me, and obviously we're looking at this with the benefit of long-term hindsight, a dozen years after, at the time of recording, fair fucks to The is Because this is a proper fuck you. I don't care how they will have looked at it like backstage, however they may have framed it. So anybody watching this, this is a proper, this guy's a shit. And he will never be anything. And the fact that he is something... And now, as we've said before, like he's Teflon. You can't break him anymore. It's massive credit to him. But it's not all good from The Miz because his music is horrific. <laughs> I've no memory of this music. It goes on for a long time, so I do wonder if it's piped in and whether they're covering some other music. But it is horrific, absolutely horrific. But then it's done, and I'm happy. You also get in the uh, pre-match and
3: as he walks down to bring him and wearing a little hat.
1: Yes. Nice. <laughs> yeah. um, this is uh, this is obviously early Miz. We've seen early Dolph Ziggler as well. And these are two people that will be mainstain mainstains <laughs> mainstays. Dolph Ziggler is a
3: fucking stain, mate.
1: <laughs> mainstays of the roster for the next well, since, till now basically. Um, The Miz has done him very very well with, mm. with with in the end of what he's done. I didn't mind what they did to him here. I didn't. I didn't really mind it. I didn't think it made much difference. But I just thought that. It was just a bit... I was just a bit disappointed with the fact they didn't go I, where I thought they were going to go.
2: I think the problem that you have, and I wrote this, is that they've been... So he's been in the building, like, he's been doing this for two months. And it is how it would be perceived. Like, there's no... I know you don't want any sympathy on the Miz, but, like, if I'd walked out that arena, one, I probably would have forgotten this match even happened because I'd have been fucking hammered by this point, watching the shit that they served up so far. But... I would also not remember The Miz being on there. And I don't think that's a good thing. Obviously, it's worked out, but that would have buried so many other people. And we've seen it happen. Yeah, yeah. Ezekiel Jackson,
1: where is he? I think you're right. But I think think they probably did view The Miz as someone who was completely expendable and wasn't ever likely to be a top star. And I also think that if they were being, I'm probably giving them too much credit, but if they were being organised enough, they probably realized a couple of months before when this all started with the Miz, we haven't got anything for John Cena to do at the bash, at our June or July pay-per-view, whatever this was at the time. Why don't we, why don't we do this? And then he can just, this can be a little Scott stopgap for him on this pay-per-view. We can build it up as John Cena, a John Cena match on a pay-per-view, which will sell. And then we can just very quickly move on to something else. Now I may be giving them too much credit because the idea that they would plan 100%. more than a month in advance is probably completely wrong, but I like I, I chose to view it that way.
2: <laughs> I think if you thought that they'd planned to be on the end of this show, I think you were probably giving them too much credit.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. So um, next up, we get uh, a hype video for Randy Orton versus Triple H with footage of Orton beating Triple H at Backlash and footage of some of their pre-WrestleMania build up So we saw the bit where Randy Orton kisses Stephanie whilst Triple H is... Mm-hmm, naughty. Uh, ...is... Uh, handcuffed to the ropes it also shows orton taking out batista at 1.2 the matches are three stages of hell match for the wwe title those three stages are first fall is a straights wrestling match second fall is a falls count anywhere match and the third fall if required is a stretcher match it goes for 21 and a half minutes and it ends when Triple H uh, has Orton seemingly defeated and is pushing Orton up the ramp on the stretcher because they do, spoiler alert, get to a third fall. But Cody Rhodes appears from nowhere, stops the stretcher from going over the line, and then Triple H has to try and deal with him. He does deal with Rhodes, but then Ted DiBiase stops him also, and the pair of, that, pair of them, Rhodes and DiBiase, pummel Triple H. Triple H then retrieves a sledgehammer from a secret compartment panel in the stage that he'd obviously (laughs) set up earlier uh, and takes out Rhodes and DiBiase with it. However, Orton hits Triple H with the bit of the stage that Triple H took out of the of the stage and falls onto the stretcher. And then Orton pulls the stretcher over the line to take the victory and uh, retain the title. After the match, as Orton poses with the title belt, Triple H sneaks up from behind him and hits Orton with the sledgehammer in the head. Um, he stands tall at the end of the show as Orton tries to recover from the sledgehammer blow. Oh, man, you're gurning plenty. Let's uh, hear from
2: you. <laughs> I'm not a fan of these types of matches, to be honest. Not in in a main event spot anyway, because what you ordinarily have is that you've got these lads who can fight. They can fight for 20 minutes and you won't get one fall out of them. But you're requiring people to take at least one, possibly two falls in some manner within a very short period of time. Now, they try their best with this because Triple H gets disqualified for the first fall, which I thought was a nice little twist. And I thought it was quite well sold by even Jerry Lawler, who somehow managed to stop leching for 30 seconds to actually sell what's going on in the ring. The problem after that, and the problem with the match at WrestleMania that we were at, is that these guys only wrestle at one pace. And it is plodding. And that's kind of putting it politely. Now, you can't, like, these guys ain't going to be doing flips and all that kind of stuff. And they're not going to, like, ratchet the pace or the tension up. But it's just not very good. Good, unfortunately, because of that. It's just very dull. The stretcher match aspect, I don't know how long it goes on for, but it feels like about a month because... You know, I don't know whether you boys had this. I knew exactly how it was going to finish, it was going to end exactly how you just laid it out, Tinky. And that was how it was going to end, and that was what I was waiting for.
1: I dispute that, old man. I did not expect Triple H to have time traveled back to before the match and hide the sledgehammer in that little <laughs> bit of the stage. All right, I did not expect that bit to have happened. <laughs> so that was a big twist for me. Time travel, <laughs> I'm you know, I was like, wow, fair play, fair play, Hunter. You mm. can't
2: argue with that. Well, with that hair i mean you you could do anything apparently i wouldn't know um (laughs) as much as it is plodding i was never bored but i was also never excited which i think is almost worse Because they never, if I'd got bored during this, they could have picked me up. But because it never dipped below a certain pace, I could never get excited by anything that happened. And I also hated Triple H standing tall at the end.
1: Tom, dare I ask? So I've got a couple
3: of of notes here. First of all, sign. A side in the crowd, which must be a plan Hammer, headache, humbled <laughs> it's So crap it's, it's fucking stupid What a daft idea for a match Also, why put like, a, like ladder matches Ambulance matches, whatever the fuck Not ladder matches, fuck me Outstretcher matches, ambulance matches That sort of thing uh, Or uh, what, last man standing matches Oh shit, they are oh, shit They are so anticlimactic Do you know what I mean? It's just boring, rubbish Like, if you're going to do a three stages of hell, do, like... And also, sorry, a normal match... (laughs) <laughs> it's yeah. one of the three stages of hell really like why not just do like i don't know uh, you could think you could do something like a non-dq match and ladder match although i don't know what they well it's for the championships so they could do that and then lower a cell <laughs> so it actually makes mm. sense as being three stages of hell but you know what i mean like or something just matches. but the fact that the first match is a normal match is is daft to me there's a bit in the match i think it's after triple h gets disqualified and it becomes the the no dq match in which uh, Randy Orton has an absolute nightmare trying to get some steps into the ring. He's really <laughs> struggling with the logistics <laughs> of how to do it. And this, at this point, where I thought to myself, that's a pretty steep ramp. I don't fancy pushing a stretcher up there. And there's a bit right at the beginning where Triple H tries to put Randy Orton up there at the first time, where he can't get it over a little bump where the, where the mats are. And he's really struggling, poor little lamb. The uh, Jerry Lawler does his quiet voice about fourteen times during the match. <laughs> so, King. Okay. I tell you what, they're uh, all so cold. I don't think she's. I don't think Triple gonna. I don't think he's gonna be the same after this. I eh? think. <laughs> Then, Triple H takes an absolutely brutal backdrop onto a padded stretcher um, at one point in the match. Um, and then, Cody Rhodes comes out wearing a bib and he attacks Triple H to stop getting the stretcher of the line. You're right, old man. It is crap. Look, like, it's just that, that bit where they... Oh, well, no, you didn't really say it was crap. I'm saying it. I'm paraphrasing what you said and saying that it's crap. <laughs> the, the,
1: You're right, old man. My opinion is <laughs> it is crap.
3: Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's just... It's so it's so fucking daft. And then at the end of it, it's got like Triple H standing tall after beating up Legacy mm-hmm. with the with the time-travelling sledgehammer. And what I don't understand is that what they do is they do this bit in it where they, they're trying to do this really cool visual, aren't they? of randy orton standing standing there smug and triple h just behind him appears with the sledgehammer but it's just like fuck off like this is for me and it kind of ties back into like the the cena bit as well this is where this is one of the one of many phases in triple h's career where his booking is intolerable you know what i mean like it's just awful and it's just, like one of the worst john cena eras of booking as well where he just won every match and that was it it's just rubbish a rubbish match and a rubbish end
1: so I didn't I didn't dislike this match. I thought it was fine. I think this is probably what Triple H versus Randy Orton at WrestleMania 25 should have been, actually, um, because you're right. They don't the pace doesn't go any higher, but there is a bit more intensity. There's a few more weapons. It feels like they actually hate each other, which it didn't at WrestleMania 25, quite mm-hmm. frankly. And first of all, the three stages of hell, of course, this was made popular when triple h and austin fought at um no way out 2001 i believe yeah. uh and they had a standard match to start a street fight second but then they had the stale cage match which was the third fall which i think is a better combination than the stretcher match
2: hang on better than a
1: stretcher match <laughs> <laughs> sorry i've blown your mind there, haven't i apologies <laughs> So I think it's a better combination. And the other thing that I was really worried about, you were talking about, oh God, we've got 30 minutes of a Randy Orton Triple H match here when you were after the Miz Miz Cena match. I'd forgotten that the Miz Cena match was taking place. And I was thinking back to the Austin Triple H match and No Way Out 2001, which I believe is about 35 minutes in length. And then I saw the CM Punk Jeff Hardy match finish after about 15 minutes, forgetting that there was still seen enemies to come. And I was like, fucking hell, this is going to be 45 minutes, this fucking mm-hmm. match, to Orton and Triple H. So I was very thankful when it only lasted 21. Oh man, to your point about tri- about um, two out of three falls matches. And I completely agree with you. I hate it in two out of three falls matches when you will have two people who will ordinarily in a one fall match go 17 minutes before either one of them could be pinned and yet in a two out of three falls match one of them will be pinned within six minutes and you're like well that's just silly that that wouldn't happen normally so why does it happen now makes much more sense for the falls the first fall to take ages and then falls two and three if you have two and three to take no time at all because that would make much more sense already beaten down yeah. enough to be pinned so I always hate that too but as you said here I thought they got around it really well they had Triple H effectively deliberately get himself disqualified in the first fall, so then he could capitalise on the fact that he'd absolutely destroyed Randy Orton with a chair in the second. The only thing I didn't like about that is, should have been the other way around. Orton is the heel. Triple H wants to keep Orton in the match for as long as he possibly can, because he hates him and he's gone after his family and all this other stuff. So, or, Triple H shouldn't be looking to get the two falls quickly because he very quickly after winning the second fall, putting Orton in the falls count anywhere thing, he dumps him straight on the on the stretcher and tries to win the match. And to me, that made no sense. Oh. He, As the person that wants to get the revenge, you thought Triple H should be trying to keep the match going for as long as possible. So it should have been Orton that hit Triple H with the chair to lose the first fall, and then take advantage in the second time and then try and quickly win the third four off the same using the same thing. So that was a bit annoying. But I thought overall it was OK. I didn't mind it. It only lasted 20 minutes in the end and it wasn't. It wasn't terrible. It was far better than their WrestleMania match, in my view. And the end was a bit rubbish. But again, the thing that really took it out of it for me was a sledgehammer. Like, how the fuck? Why the fuck is a sledgehammer there? Like, suddenly it's just in this panel. The Triple H just happens to have beaten up, been beaten up next to, and he just puts his hand in there and picks out the sledgehammer. That's just silly. That's just really, really silly. (laughs) Did not like that bit. But the rest of it was fine.
2: I think that's a perfectly normal police of sledgehammer, isn't it? <laughs> I, I've actually got one just next to me bed.
1: Well, when the muggers come in, make sure yeah. that they eat you up there rather than in the other room. Because if they don't, you're, you're screwed.
2: I'm one step out of you because I've got them um, strategically placed <laughs> all around the house.
1: Maybe that's the explanation. Maybe Triple H had lots of sledgehammers dotted all over the arena just in case this very thing should happen.
3: Him and uh, Robert, Robert Plant, was it, who did the sledgehammer? Peter Gabriel. Uh, Peter, Peter Gabriel, Gabriel, yeah. Yeah, that's the one. He's, uh, he's just listening to that one, just pottering around. What are you doing? Oh, it's got to go potter around the arena. What are you doing? i oh, just strategically laying out 25 Da-da-da. <laughs> More da, 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 hammers. So
1: that brings us to the end of the Bash 2009, and it's time for your overall thoughts, your score out of 10, your match of the night, and your MVP of the show. Let's start with you, Tom.
3: Uh, so I'm gonna give the overall rating four I think like old man said what he felt about the main event at no point was I particularly bored, but I didn't think it was very good. I don't think many really of the matches were particular there was there and this is what it's why it's difficult for me to pick out a favorite match to be because I don't think any of the matches were particularly amazing on it. So, uh, for my match of the night, I think I'm going to go... Even though I said I'm sick of him, I think I'm probably going to go Jericho Mysterio. Even though though I'm sick to death of seeing fucking Chris Jericho. And my MVP of the night. This is tough. I think I'm going to go with Tommy
2: Dreamer's trousers. (laughs) (laughs) That's outstanding. That's my MVP. That's beautiful. Oh, well done, Tommy. I'm going to go five out of ten, because everything's just average. It's just average. But like Tommy, it's never bored. I was never in Raptures, not like Blondie. But yeah, I just, um to your point, Tinky, that it's kind of moving stuff forward. So there feels like a reason for things, for many of the things on this show. And I think that's kind of enough. I think when you're watching them in isolation, you're like, ah, you know what? Yeah, I quite enjoyed that. Could have done without Triple H, limping, whacking in with a sledgehammer, going back, coming back. Watch chopping Orton's prone corpse. But, yeah, apart from that, not bad. Match of the night. It's going to be punkin Hardy with a special mention for the ladies match because they really are was it smart, sexy, and powerful, as uh, Jimbo says. And uh, my MVP of the night is emotionally racked Teddy Long.
1: <laughs> I think it's fair that he got a mention.
2: Yeah, his acting is as good as his hairline. <coughs>
1: Good. Um, I'm going to give it a six because I, I too, think it's very average, but my average is always six. I don't know why. My I just always think of six as being average. I think of five as being slightly under average, which makes no sense. Not mathematically, obviously, but just from a perspective point of view.
2: Well, it depends how you rate, doesn't it? Because if you're never going to give a zero, true, then... Then it's all right. Well, then, then we can let you off. And it's also because you're quite contrary. Mary, Mary. <laughs> yeah. He also does a cracking Leonard Roster.
1: Oh, Miss <laughs> oh, <Ms>. Jones. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to give it a six because I think it's perfectly fine. I agree. And I think if you are watching... I think if you were watching this at the time, you would have been perfectly happy with this show because I do think it moves everything along. I think everything plays into the overall storyline. You wouldn't you wouldn't feel like you'd watch something for no reason. Having watched this show, you feel like actually all that made sense. I got a conclusion to the Rey Mysterio Chris Jericho feud. I got a conclusion to the Triple H Randy Orton feud. And that's why I think they have Triple H other than maybe the overbearing nature of the way Triple H was booked, I will give them a pass on this one, because I think Triple H being the babyface going into this match, has to, they have to satisfy that he's got some measure of revenge against Orton at the end. Otherwise it remains unresolved in in the fans' mind, and I think in the characters' mind it should stay unresolved. So this way they can kind of have it so that Orton's come out of it still with the title, but Triple H has managed to at least get the sledgehammer to the head of Rand and I didn't mention, though, that I hate the use of sledgehammers, especially, well, just in general. But when they hit somebody in the head, I'm like, well, that's just ridiculous. If you're going to use a sledgehammer, use it at the bottom end of the, the, the hammer and actually hit people properly yeah. with a damn sledgehammer, which would kill someone. So that's why you don't <laughs> do it. But therefore, don't bring a sledgehammer into this whole thing it just makes no sense it's ridiculous so I didn't mind Triple H being standing tall at the end too much my match tonight is Rey Mysterio versus Chris Jericho I think that was the one match that genuinely did feel dramatic towards the end even though it did lack a certain intensity that I think their better matches in, in earlier in their career might have have given us and mvp this is a really tough one because i didn't think anyone really stood out i'm going to give it to orton just because i think he has his character down here in spite of perhaps the way wwe are presenting him a little bit in in places on this show i think this is the point where everyone was really impressed with the orton heel character and i can see why at this point there is a there's a darkness to him and and the whole Methodical thing of him walking to the ring slowly made sense at this point, whereas now it kind of just makes him boring. But but back then it made a lot more sense. There was this sense of him being just, I guess actually, kind of like the early Austin character, the kind of uncaring, kind of I don't really care about anyone but myself mm. attitude that he kind of had at the time. So yeah, I'm gonna give it to him. A, a sort of I said kind of average middling show. Nothing nothing to hate but nothing massive to go to go wild for.
2: It's quite it's quite hard to bash, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it certainly is. Um t- Tinky, did it when you watched it, did it leave your Sunday shining? Of <sighs> course. God. So, before we get to today's
1: game, let me point you in the direction of our social media channels. We have a presence pretty much everywhere. Though our main hub is Twitter where we can be found at @RWRpod uk it is time for the game and tom is our host this week tom over to you
3: right so i got a little treat for you boys there are three different commentary teams in this what i'd like you to do is tell me each person who has been a fixture of the raw commentary team
1: <laughs> oh, fuck over
2: it
3: there are 47 <laughs> This does not include wrestlers who have just done and popped on for commentary. They've got a booth been on for the entire episode. Fair enough. So I've got a list of 47 people. And I would like to start with old man. Jim Ross. That is correct. He's done it quite yes! a few times. As old, uh, as old James Ross. Uh, you know what? That's never occurred to me that his name might be
1: James. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it could also be Jimmy. Jimmy, yeah, yeah, I guess it could. Jimmy Ross. um, Jerry the King Lawler.
3: That is correct. Long-suffering partner of uh, of uh, Jim Ross.
1: Other way around, surely.
3: Yes, that's what I meant. <laughs> uh,
1: Michael Cole.
3: Michael Cole, yeah, there he is.
1: I've got such a, a sense of foreboding dread about this one, and I don't know why. I just feel, like, really, really anxious about this. Uh, Vince Workman. Yeah. Hey God! Hey God. Hey,
2: then get him. Uh,
1: Best in the business, mate. Best hmm. in the business.
2: Todd Phillips or Tom Phillips. I can't, I can never remember whether it's Tom or Todd. Oh, are we have that.
3: I'll give it give it to him <laughs> Yeah, Tom Phillips.
1: Told you. I just this oh I can't shake it. I just can't shake it. <laughs> um let's go with the Macho Man, Randy Savage. Yeah,
2: there he is. There he is. Big it! Mm. Let's go for another in ring technician, JBL.
3: John Bradshaw Layfield. Layfield. Yeah. <laughs> John Bradshaw Bradford Lakeland. <laughs> go on, give it, give it another try, Tom. Go on. <laughs> John Bradshaw Lakeland. <laughs> <His name. laughs> I'm,
1: I'm assuming that's correct.
3: Yes, yes, yes. John Bradshaw Layfield is correct.
1: Okay. Um. Mm, Jonathan Coachman. The coach, he is there. Thank fuck for that.
2: Byron uh, Berger Saxton. oh yes, the old sax man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm a yes, sax man. Like... <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> goodness me. Right, um, let's go with Kevin Kelly.
3: That's correct, the old
1: hermaphrodite himself. <laughs> Just as sure as you, Kevin Kelly,
2: are an ugly hermaphrodite. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the uh, dearly departed, but now back, Samoa Joe. That's correct. Uh, Jim Cornette.
3: You're right. The intolerable Jim Cornette is on there. CM Punk. That is correct. Lovely, <laughs> nice, lovely little man. You had know, a lovely little run on comms.
1: It indeed. Um, Mike Adamley. He's not on this list, you know. I'm not certain. I'm not going to dispute it. If he's not on there, he's not on there.
2: I'm going to do a quick... He would have been on my list. 100%. I I mean, I wasn't certain. uh, Oh, hang on. Hang
3: on. No, he wasn't. He was never a commentator on Raw Tinky.
1: He was the general manager.
3: Yeah, he was a commentator on ECW.
1: There you go.
2: Ah. There it goes. Old man with the dub. So I've got a few more.
3: Yeah,
2: we've got then? I've got Booker T. Yep, Corey Graves. Yep, Renee Young. Yep, uh, Vic Joseph. Yep, uh, David Atunga. Yep, wow. Uh, there was another one as well, but I'm not going to get it. No. Um, all right. I also oh. had Bobby Heenan. Yep, yeah, and How Mr. About-
1: perfect
2: yep
1: how about shane mcmahon
3: yep What episode
1: oh, oh I so. beautiful it, it was um, him, him and jim Cornette. what a team oh my team. god <laughs> did todd grisham do it because we yep. obviously have just seen him in the show and i didn't hmm. even.
2: yep he was on comms so what so, about what uh, about how about uh, matt striker
1: yep what about al snow
3: Yep.
2: where did you pull that from
1: well, there's a match where he and coach faced Jerry lost Jerry lost. <laughs> Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler in a tag team match on like Unforgiven or something 2003 which is for the rights to commentate on Raw and they win. So I think he must have done at some point.
3: Yeah. So, um we've got Adnan Fuck. Yes.
1: Oh, yeah.
3: Oh, yeah. yeah. Anderson. Wow. wow. Uh, it was I think it might have been when they were trying the WCW thing maybe. I don't I think, think it so. Him, it wasn't... And Scott Hudson, him and Scott Hudson were apparently a commentary team on Raw for a bit.
1: Well, they were on, I think SmackDown, maybe on Raw as well, but they weren't the full show. They weren't the full episode.
3: No, but that's what they've. That's what they've got on this. List. That's all I can say. Okay. Yeah, to be fair, the uh, there is a lovely disclaimer on Wikipedia that says this contains a lot of information that might not be interesting or accurate. So <laughs> it's um,
1: definitely not interesting or accurate. No. <laughs> uh,
3: so Austin Aries. Someone called... Uh, see, I knew who everyone else was, but I had no idea who Dio Madden is.
2: Anyone got a clue? Oh, that is? I've heard the name, but I wouldn't have got that. Doc Hendricks. Oh, yeah, come on. Welcome to Raw. <laughs> uh, Dolph Ziggler,
3: apparently, did a stint on commentary. Yes, he did. Uh, someone called Hayley Workman. No idea. That is. Apparently, Jesse Ventura also did a stint. You forgot, you forgot AJ's brother, Joey Styles. Oh yeah. Josh Matthews, a couple of who's mentioned. Kevin Kelly was Michael Hayes as well. Despite the fact oh. that he's big. so he's done it as two characters.
1: I
2: think
3: <laughs> wow. Mr. Perfect, MVP, Tinky, Paul
1: Heyman. Ah, oh, God. Uh, I, I told you I had this sense of dread, and I, I, it's because I was listening around. And I didn't have that many. I was like, I know more than this. Why can't I think of anybody? Yeah.
3: Uh, Rob Bartlett, obviously, the first one uh, on the first commentary team.
1: Yeah, that was That's... the other name I couldn't remember. Fucking hell, what a twat. Uh, no, here, here, not me, Rob Bartlett was a fucking okay, twat. Uh,
3: <laughs> Scott Hudson, as I said, as oh, uh, Shay McMahon, yeah. Sean Michaels, still still on comms. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Taz, Ted DiBiase, oh. senior. Terry Taylor, the honky tonk man, apparently. <laughs> uh, the Miz, and yeah, you got everyone else. You got everyone else. It's quite an it? exhaustive list. There's some dirt on there. Yeah, it's a fucking rogues gallery, isn't it? Okay, Tinky, you're not allowed to put in your dream team of Vince and King. Who are you having as your dream Raw announce team?
1: So you want me to name my dream team, but not allow my actual dream team? Yes. Are you you. Saying to me?
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, oh God, who cares? If you can't have Jim Ross and if you can't have Jerry Lord and Vince McMahon, what's the fucking point? Um, don't know, mate. Don't know. Bobby Heenan, Hobbs. Mm. With uh, he'd be good um, with Jim Ross, wouldn't he? Yeah, I guess Jim Ross and Bobby Eden. Let's just do that. Yeah, <laughs> I so. honestly don't care. Once you take out Vince and Jerry, it doesn't matter to me. Mm. I don't know.
3: What about you, man? What are man? What are you doing? JR, because he was so, the voice. Is he your favorite, though? What's your favorite commentary team? Because if it's King
2: and Lawler, well, To be basically, fair, old oh, man, yeah. what
1: you've got to do is name your favorite, and then you're not yeah. allowed to name them.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I, I'll tell you what I've Michael Cole and CM Punk Ooh, ah. interesting. Because I, I was watching when Punk was on there And he was amazing Don't know how it would have worked out longer term But I'm assuming excellent Lovely
1: I think that any podcast in the world There is probably not a greater amount of respect From Michael Cole On any podcast in the world than ours
3: No we give Miss Flowers don't we
1: We don't yeah. like Michael Cole we, we quite
2: like Michael Cole on this podcast Give yeah, him miss Flowers yeah, give us i I've never heard that phrase before. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I might start using that. We respect Michael Cole because of how fucking horrible his job probably is. That's yeah. Well, all of that, anyway, is
1: beside the front row because <laughs> we guess. need to sign off for the day. Oh, someone else is joining the ferry I think it might
2: be Siri <laughs> or somebody. Um. Oh man, thank you for joining me today. Well, thank you very much. I've had a blast at the bash. I wish there was some musty scene like the Bash of the Beach. But who knows, in future weeks we might get that. But don't worry about that. Just remember Ken Patera.
1: And Tom, thank you also for your contributions today.
3: My well, old man's been so busy remembering Ken
2: Patera that he got the name of that paper per be wrong because it was Beach Blast. Mm. Was it? No bashing involved in that, mate. Well, apart from me over that bloody musty scene. <laughs> <laughs>
3: It's so just think about how much of a weird graphic that was. It's so weird. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, go, go off, everyone. Have a good bash tonight. Yeah.
1: And thank you for listening and making it through. And please, we apologise for all the visuals that will have been put into your head as a consequence of
2: these two. Well, I apologise for nothing cause no one knows what I look like. So it's only your, your ugly faces that people are seeing when they're tugging off.
1: Well, they will know what you look like now when they go back and watch the Raw after WrestleMania 25 and see you there with hair, which I'm telling you, it's not a pretty uh, sight. So that's all we've <laughs> got time for today. We'll be back again on next week's show. But until then, <laughs> take care.